Stars, and welcome to episode number 148 of the Podcast. Like, no one ever was, we have a super exciting episode for you guys today, so if you are hyped just like we are, make sure to like button down below, share this podcast with all of your friends, and we are hyped today because Atlantic City is in like a week, a little bit more, and here to talk all about Atlantic City Regionals with us this week is special guest Cody Graham. Hello, Cody. What's up? Nothing. How's uh how's Pokemon life treating you? Uh good. So for people who don't know, I used to play in Fargo uh for a long time. If you don't know where that is, you're not missing out on anything. Uh I moved to Denver last April and it feels really cool to play in a place where other people play. Um Fargo had a player base of like 3 people. And Denver, our cups are like 45 to 50 people. It's pretty sweet. Which is exactly how many people live in Fargo. Your cups are yes. bigger than Fargo. Yep. Can, uh-huh. can confirm that. Uh, well, Cody, thanks for joining me this week. And for those of you listening, at this point in time, you probably have noticed that Darren and Danny are not here this week. It's just me and Cody running it duo style it'll be a good time uh but before we get too deep into atlantic city you guys we're gonna talk a little bit about uh some pokemon news there's not a whole ton so we'll get through it real real quick so we can talk all about atlantic city then we'll jump into atlantic (coughs) city all about the meta and how cody's been preparing some other stuff about it then we'll do our weekly top five. Then we'll do the DDG mailbag, which if you want to be a part of that, either join us in Twitch chat or head on over to Twitter. Use the hashtag DDG mail. Uh, any questions for Cody or I, we'll get them answered for you. Then we'll do this week in Pokemon history. There's some real fun stuff this week. <laughs> and then the episode will be over. Uh, so the first thing I want to start y'all off with for Pokemon news is the brand new Pokemon that has been revealed uh, coming in, in brand new to the Galar region, uh, and that is Surfetched. Cody, have you have you seen Surfetched? I have, and I think he's dope. He's- uh, I hope he has a playable card because I will be playing it somehow. <laughs> So, Surfetched is a fighting-type Pokemon. It's the evolution of Farfetched. Uh, So, finally, after 20 years, Farfetched gets its much-deserved evolution. Uh, It's a bird holding a sword and a shield, and if you don't love this, I I don't understand you. But I think the sword is an onion, isn't it? Well, I... I mean, I guess? Like, a leak is, like... I don't know. That's what Farfetch holds, right? Is a leak. No, so, Farfetch was holding a stick, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, technically, well, in Japan they called it a leak, but in America it was just a stick because we don't know what vegetables are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess it kind of does like look like a like a spring onion or something, right? I think it's an onion. Yeah, I I, his, his I, I looked at it on Twitter a long time ago, many moons ago. He's pretty great. But so, I think it was <laughs> many moons ago, like yesterday. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> so the two best bird Pokemon ever have been revealed in the last week and a half. So that's great. 
between Surfetched and Cramorant. Uh, pretty excited about it. Uh, if you guys haven't seen Surfetched, make sure to go check it out. Surfetched is awesome, and I love him, and he's everything right about Gen 8 that's coming. Uh, moving alongside from that, I'll try to jump into what Darren would normally do, and that's the Pokemon <coughs> Go news. Uh, there's not a whole lot except for, we did talk about it a little bit last week, but Gen 5 has reached Pokemon Go, finally. Uh, we got just a pretty small sample size compared to how many Pokemon actually were released in Gen 5, which was, I think, just shy of 160 brand new Pokemon. Uh, but we got the three starters, so Oshawott, Snivy, Tepig, plus, like, Lillipup, uh, Glamiao. Pat Rat, Blitzel, Drillbur, and there's a few others that I'm sure I'm forgetting. And then alongside that with Pokemon Go, uh, Mewtwo is your brand new premium raid Pokemon. Uh, and by brand new, I mean uh, it's definitely not brand new. Um, Solid. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's the new one. It's replacing Deoxys. So, there we go. Uh, moving into some TCG news, which, again, there was none. There was, like, none last week either. Uh, mm. But now we got some. Uh, Japan is getting a Black, White, and XY expanded box in October. I thought that was being printed in English, though, also, isn't it? I uh, I haven't seen any news about it being printed in English yet. Uh, I very much would like it to come to to out, any, everywhere outside of Japan because this is something that a lot of people have been asking about. I know that the DDG podcast we've been asking this for a for this for a very long time. Uh, so here's here's what it says: uh, It will come with 201 powerful cards. From the black and white and XY eras, including Shaman EX. That's a big deal. Uh, the breakdown Oxford. includes 42 Pokemon cards, 21 of which are unique. 47 trainers, 25 of which are unique. 4 special energy, 2 of which are unique. And 108 <coughs> basic energy cards, which is 12 of each. Basic? <laughs> Who cares? I mean, you got everyone's got to start somewhere. <laughs> And then what? it will also include a pack of card sleeves. Um, so this is retailing in Japan for 4,400 yen, which equals roughly 41 United States dollars. So in the picture here, they're showing Shaman EX, uh, XY Base, Aromatis, Mega Rayquaza EX, Volcanion EX, Computer Search, and Dark Patch, Skyfield, and Double Dragon Energy. Dark patches are probably still kind of expensive, so that's cool. Yeah, and computer Tom search is those. Still yeah, that's like the big a one. Thirty plus dollar card damaged. Throw a so, beach in there. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't imagine awesome. they're gonna throw a beach in there, but that would be insane. That would be great. I would love that. Yep, that'd be fantastic. Um, other than that, you guys, there's there's really nothing going on. <laughs> Uh, oh, that was the other thing I was going to mention. Uh, 20 seasons into the Pokemon anime, and we did talk about this a little bit last week because someone asked us in the DDG mail section, uh, but Ash Ketchum finally wins Pokemon League. Hey, Danny, beat you. 
<laughs> I mean, to be fair, he's had a lot longer to do it than I have, right? I mean, what? You've been playing basically the same amount of time? No. Pretty close. Not the TCG, He only plays once a week on Sundays. Well, it took him... Let's see. It took him 1,082 episodes. So if I can, if I have to go to league that many times before it counts, right? Yeah, you're right. And I'm pretty sure I haven't been to 1,082 leagues yet. Only in spirit. <laughs> but, but we'll get there. Uh, I hope that this is a turning point for the anime. They scrap Ash completely. And they go, like, super serious anime. What does that mean? That'd be cool. Like, I don't know, give us a real character similar to a red. One Punch Man. Or, yeah, One Punch Man Pokemon style. That's what I want. Take out. I I just want something more, like, I think, relatable to the video games. Or a character that's not a 10-year-old child as the main character. More relatable to the video games. How? You want the anime to take a super long time? <laughs> no, I, uh, I guess something more similar to, like, Pokemon Generations. That YouTube... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that good. Did, did. Didn't they just, like, stop that? Or is that still going on? No, it was... I mean, it was only... Or it was only, like, um... Like twenty episodes. It was just they just did the the first. They just did the the Kanto region. That was it. So I don't really think yeah, they got pretty to, dope. Yeah, I I think doing something like that again would be super cool. But get like a full series and not just a a short series. Yeah. Even if it's just a few seasons, like I think it'd be good because. This gives you the chance to start over from the very beginning, if that's what they decide to do. I mean, obviously, it's just wishful thinking, and there's no real speculation in any of this, but I think it would be really fun. And I would probably watch it, so I can't say I've watched any of <laughs> any of the anime that's currently going on since the first few seasons, so... I've watched exactly two episodes ever. Pikachu Party and the one where Charmander gets abandoned by his original trainer. That's my guess. Uh, No, the first two. That's how far I got. And I was like, I can't. I just can't. I know uh, Ash caught like a Caterpie or something in the the woods. Yep, that happened. That was it. far as I got. Alright, well, well, you guys, that's pretty much all there is for Pokemon news. There's been, like, nothing real happening in the Pokemon world for the last two weeks. Um, it's been really slow. Really, really slow. Uh, but what's not really slow is how soon Atlantic City is. From right now, it's like, nine days away? Eight days away? Next Saturday. You guys are listening, yeah. So nine days away from right now, but when you guys are listening to this, it'll probably be seven days away. So in one week, uh, Pokemon trainers from across North America will be in Atlantic City. 
playing in the first regional of the 2019-2020 season. Uh, and our guest, Cody, will be there. Uh, so what I want to start with, Cody, is like, especially on not necessarily a brand new format because Worlds was in the same format minus the <coughs> few Basically cards the same. that we're getting from Hidden Fates. Um, what's the preparation look like going into the first regional of the year? Now, I know you've had like you have like a lot of real good finishes from Cups and Challenges already for this quarter. No so, challenges. No uh, challenges. In fact, I, I don't have challenge points. Um, I haven't gotten points from a challenge in over a season now. Oh. Because I took last year basically off. So after I moved to Denver, I played Denver, and then I played a couple cups. And I have no points from challenges since a long time ago. But yeah, so challenges um, have been kind of a pain. In fact, they're still a pain. Uh, so Denver's very big, and Denver has a lot of very good players. Um, so, for instance, the last challenge I was at was something like like 35 players, and I would guess probably 12 to 15 of them had their invites last year. Um so, like, that's a pretty tough tournament to just go to, especially for such a small payout. Um, but typically for challenges, I try to play things that I wouldn't typically like to play at a bigger tournament. So uh, the last challenge I was at, I played Ability Zard, uh, which I'll come back to after a bit when we're talking about, about decks that are good currently. Um, and I just did bad i didn't practice at all i just w went um because i think of challenges as practice kind of which normally means i do bad at them um i went something like uh three three and missed points so okay and that's the way every challenge has gone i've only been to three but i mean um, since 2020 has begun, I've played in six cups and I have a first, a second, a second, a second, and a top four. Um, and then I missed points at one of them. Um, and they were actually all with the same deck, Dan, all with the same deck. They were all with Lecephalon. Wow. That's a uh... full drawn cards, beast ringing. That's the, the game. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I mean, Blissephalon's obviously pretty powerful. Uh, Very good. Along, I mean, there's. I think the. I think that like all the top decks <coughs> right now are like super powerful. Um, you basically and, just pick your taste and just go. Yeah, it's, um, it's actually kind of crazy. Like now, compared to what we've seen in like even the last two years, where there's kind of been like a clear-cut favorite BDIF uh, with things that can beat it versus now where it's like you have good matchups with all the top decks, but like I think they're a lot closer and you can like kind of just like with all of them, you can kind of <laughs> overpower anything else no matter like right. how good or poor your matchup is. 
right? And that's that's why I've been playing this for cups now, especially. Blacephalon, uh, I feel like, is the easiest to play out of all of the top decks. Um, and it's also good at, at bullying out um, those other kind of, like, decent picks, but not top picks, you know what I mean? Um, so cups are a time where typically people um, will try out fun decks and they'll try out other things and Blacephalon is the best at saying no to that, in my opinion. I, I think I would tend to agree. I think Blacephalon out of all the top decks is the most straightforward too, right? It has the yeah. it has like the lowest amount of um, like variance i think because you're playing yep. such a high count of so many different cards yep so like last last weekend i played a cup where prior to the day of i had no idea what to play at all um because after the open um and i did not great with bliss with bliss cephalon i was gonna give it some time off and i was like you know what no i'm just gonna play like the most basic deck possible so i played like four of four of four of all the way down um and i was just consistent as could be and i got second uh to a pika that i beat in swiss um just because he drew pretty good at the end, so but that happens. But I basically drove over everything else, which was pretty nice. Yeah, I don't think that's very surprising, like from any Blessephalon deck. Um, so I guess getting back a little bit. Uh, yeah. So the prep has been playing all one deck for the beginning of the season. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so um, I've been going to challenges. I've only been to three of them, but I, I take that time to, to try out a deck that I normally wouldn't like to play, which sounds odd because you should play a deck that you like to play. But um, I think it's also important to know how these other decks function. So um, at the first challenge, I played Malamar, because that was the first deck I tested. Um, I still consider it a tier two deck, but I have basically no confidence in that deck at all. Um, that's that. Okay, so we'll we'll come back to, to to that. But I've also played Pika and now Zard. So those are all decks I wouldn't like to play at a big tournament, just because there's things about them I just don't like a lot personally. I think they're good. So I would like to know how how people play them and how they function and everything, um, even though they aren't decks that I personally like. So given that, um, I do the same thing in testing. So in testing, I have played Zard in all variants, uh, Pika, both the Judge and Cynthia versions, Malamar, um, I think you can basically break it into three uh, types, the Tina Chomp, Ultra, and Straight. Um, I think Straight is the best of them. Um, 
and I'm pretty sure statistically that's been true too. Uh, Mew Box is a deck I've liked playing a lot. Um, I don't like it for cups uh, unless they're best of three because prizing and different things like that can just be uh, kind of a pain. Uh, Blacephalon has been my go-to for cups like we talked about. I've played that deck more than any other deck, I would say, so far. Um, but other other decks that I've tested, because I either want to learn how they function, or uh, because I want to think about possibly playing them personally, have been Guardian, Neg, Quag, Darkbox, which is now not really in the options anymore. I don't think that deck is very good. Um, and then different ways to play Tomb. Um, I think Spirit Tomb is very good. Um, I think Malamar scares people from playing it a lot, but I think there's ways to shore up the matchup a bit to where it's not so bad. Um, I don't think it'll ever be positive, but it's not as bad as people think. Um, but also, uh, something that's been true of players in Denver is that um, a lot of people here like to play stall. Like, they actually enjoy playing it. Not just they play it because they think it's good. Digest this. Um, they enjoy playing stall. Like, they get up on a day that there's a cup, and they're like, you know what sounds like fun today? Going to time. <laughs> Every game today. So, um, I do play against stall. Um a fair amount, which I think is a good thing to do. Uh, I personally have no interest in ever playing Stall. Stall might be the best deck that there is. Um, I will not play. I just I just think it is boring. The whole strategy is boring to, to me. I don't like it. All of these things. I just, I just don't like it. So I've tested against things like Shedinja, Pidgeotto, Keldeo Stalls, and all those um, a fair bit, and I think it's good to know how to play against those. Um, and I, I've I've played against Stall at Cups now several times, um, and the practice playing against them has been good because a lot of times people don't like to to play against them in testing uh, because it's not a fun thing to test. Uh, but I think it's a valuable thing to test. So. For instance, the last time I played against a stall deck in a cup, I opened a poipole, um, and I benched a second poipole, and I never played a card besides that. I would attach energy, uh, spit poison, next turn, like, evolve, and then uh, turning point over and over and over and over again. And I would, like, two-hit, three-hit things, um, but at the end, the person I played against was like, like, wow, you played that, like, perfectly. You didn't play a card at all. I was like, yep. And I won't. Because, I don't know, that, that's the strategy. But, like, once you, once you think that there's only one, one path to victory with the deck that you're playing, um, that's when you are subject to lose to things like Stall. Um, so, Blacephalon is a very... It's a very plain deck. Like, you go forwards always. Like, that's the only option. But um, you have to be able to, like, 
adjust to things like that. And you only learn how to do those things by, by testing. So I, I actually think that that's something that a lot of people could benefit from. You know, like <laughs> me, even I was, I'm bad at this. Like, uh, I've never been super great at Pokemon. Anyone who knows me knows that about me and that's fine. Um, but one thing that I think a lot of people don't do is they look at their deck and they're like, oh, I win by taking six prizes. Okay, but how do you take those six prizes? Yeah. Um, or how do you beat something that can take six prizes faster than you? How do you beat something that literally is just going to deck you out? <laughs> they they look at their list. They say, cool, this is how I take six prizes. But they don't like actually cycle through their lists to figure out what is all of my win conditions like and i think that's currently truer than it's ever been especially in the time that i've been playing um with tag teams um it's potential for games to be done very quickly um so a lot of people when they're like oh i'm playing against uh pikaram i have to kill two pikaroms it's like it's like okay well you're probably not going to be given to picaroms you're gonna have to like learn how to figure that out so it's what 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 you said is true and i think it's truer than it's been in the past um so that's something that people even if they've been playing for a bit they should learn what they mean by that i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah another thing that you said that i share quite a bit of sentiment with is um testing against stall not being very fun uh and so people just don't do it um but i think that it's important to understand that testing is not always going to be fun nor necessarily should it um like especially if you're wanting to be competitive right like if you're just like there's a difference between testing for f- to have fun at a regional and testing to want to win at a regional, right? Um, yep. Like, you want to test for a regional because you want to get day two and top 16 and top eight, or there's testing for a regional because you don't want to get a bunch of penalties because you don't know what cards do. Yeah. Um, and if you're the former, <coughs> then, like you should always be testing against things that are not fun to test against because those are the things you're going to lose to. Yeah, that's one. true. <laughs> so. That is true. That, that, and, and you, um, I mean, you, you touched on this, but you should also know what you would like to do. If your goal is to get points at an event, you're going to play a different deck than if your goal is to get first. So um, that might drive you to pick a, a deck um, with more uh, favorable matchups, like matchups that are extremely positive, that also has matchups that are extremely bad. Um, and I'm going to touch on this again after we start talking about decks for Atlantic. But um, if your goal is to get first place, you typically are going to be more inclined to pick a deck with closer matchups so that you don't auto lose to anything um for instance that's what kept me out of top eight of NAIC not this past year but the year before that uh because I had an auto loss to Malamar and then 
Adam Hawkins, who was the only Malamar in day two, uh, demolished me in round 15 or 14, maybe. He was my only loss, though, at the end there. Um, and that kept me out. But if I had picked a deck that was closer, we would have actually been able to play. Um, so, like, the outcome could have been different. But as it was, it, it was not even close. Yeah, so backpedaling a little bit uh, back to Stall. Uh, yeah. Team Reaper, TCG, and our Twitch chat says, playing Stall in a best <laughs> one cup is dumb. Uh, I am going this to best. agree with you. Uh, yeah. best, best of one cups is the superior cup format, but playing a stall in those seems like a poor idea. That was the best of three cup. Yeah, best, best of three cup is when you should play stall, if you're going to play stall at a cup. Especially because, at a cup. Because you want your goal is to win one game, and you have a lot better chance of winning one game in 50 minutes than you do in 30. Yep. 30 minutes is... Time is enough time for most decks to play against each other and have a winner, but against stall, thirty minutes is often either barely enough time or not even close. <laughs> so. It's it's too close to the point where it's not worth trying it. I think. <laughs> no, I I agree with you. So, uh, you've talked, you've told us about how your testing has gone actually at events, but what kind of testing do you do like? At home or when you're not actually playing in a sanctioned tournament? Um, so Denver's cool because there's actually people here to play against. Um, I have a chat with three local people who all play pretty different things for the most part. They're all good. Um, so every day uh, I clock out at something like 2 a.m. from my job currently and I blow it up for a bit, and they'll, like, say things back. Um, and we basically take turns doing that um, and posting memes. That's basically the chat currently. But um, the like other day, chat. yes, it's uh, pretty <laughs> typical Pokemon chat in that, that instance. But um, the other day, uh, I started to think about expanded a lot um which is terrible first of all don't even bother holy cow uh so we started to talk about expanded and we had a quality discussion about expanded for at least an hour uh people are throwing things in throwing in thoughts and stuff and basically we concluded on uh we will deal with expanded later because it's a lot. But it's cool because I have good people that I can bounce these ideas off of, you know? Uh, whereas before, in Fargo, I would have Kyle. <laughs> and Kyle's good, but, like, I mean, that's one person's opinion. Um, and it's good to have other people's opinions, and those other people play against other people. So you're... you're your thoughts get uh, that much further compounded with other people's thoughts. Whereas before when it was me and Kyle, uh, I'd be like, like, Hey Kyle, you know, what's cool. Blastoise. And he'd be like, Hey, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that would have been the end of the talk. 
everything was true, <laughs> but like we didn't have any other opinions. So very uh, informative. Yes. And and but, also also true. <laughs> he you're not wrong, and he's not wrong, especially right now. Uh, Blastoise is pretty good. At the time, we were a little wrong, but it still <laughs> worked out. Blastoise was pretty successful there in Fargo for a long time, but um, but uh, so back to testing though. So I I would keep multiple decks built. Um, I typically own four copies of everything in standard, um, and I keep like my my go to or pet deck at the time built. So I'm able to, if people want to go test, I'm able to just throw it in the bag and go. Um, if I want to build something else to test against, I can do that. Um, if people feel like testing over Skype, I'm able to do that. I just keep that deck built. So for instance, uh, currently I have Spiritomb Frostlast built um, because I want to figure out counts. I want to be able to see what the best or most optimal lines are against different decks. Um, and I basically s cycle through decks and do that. Uh, Limitless currently is my go-to <clears throat> tool for all of these things. Um, like, I'd like to, at some point, uh, test Guardian. Um, so I'm basically just going to take that deck list I got first and just play it, and play it through like the gauntlet of everything, uh, make any tweaks that I think are good, um, and then keep doing that until I think I have a good idea of what an optimal deck list for that type is. Um, I also, when I'm not doing that, I, I actually scroll through PTCGO, and I just look at different attacks on different Pokemon. And if anything's inspiring, I take it and I see what we can do with it. So um, we actually started messing around with Nidoqueen Meganium um, a long time ago. Because I was like, I was like, this attack's potentially pretty good. Um, the ability's good. Everything in this deck is good. And then like that deck actually. Um, got popularized by like someone in like Australia or somewhere. There was like a, a tournament where um, <clears throat> someone was successful with that deck. And I was like, I was like, Hey, uh, that's cool. I'm basically going to copy what that guy did and do this, this process with that and just play it until I find out what I like and what I don't like and all of these other things. Um, and Shameless plug, that's basically what my articles on Team Rocket's hideout are. They're creations that I think have potential. Um, there's only been one article so far, but the one that I am turning in tomorrow uh, to go up on Sunday is the same thing. So, Yeah, let's, let's take a brief moment to talk about Team Rocket's hideout because... I actually am a pretty big fan of the format that uh, y'all are using versus the kind of <coughs> traditional article sites. So uh, there are article websites out there, uh, Poke Beach, Six Prizes, 60 Cards, 
uh, Cutter Tap. They they someone's PC. They all run sort of on a like a monthly payment system, right? Similar to like uh, Netflix or Hulu, right? You pay for it, you get everything that's on there. Um, now, Team Rocket's hideout a little bit different, I believe. This was this was started. This is all Alex Wilson creation, right? Yeah, so uh, it's a little bit different where you guys are paying per article. So you or can... subscription. You can do either or. You can do either so, or. Okay. So say um, you're just a casual person and you're like, hey, I saw that there's a piece on Spiritum, which is what my, my, uh, my thing coming out on Sunday is. Uh, you can either choose to buy that article uh, and those, if you buy just the article, I believe they're all a dollar. So you pay a dollar, you get the article, and cool, that's it, you're done. Or you can pay the monthly subscription cost, and you have access to everything, all the articles that come out, which there's typically, um, there's an article coming out at either daily or every other daily. Um, I don't think they've been less frequent than that since it's begun. Um, we have... Uh, currently something like 12 or 15 people. Um, and we keep a schedule and just turn things out. Uh, there's a lot of extremely knowledgeable people. There's people that have been playing for a very long time. Uh, there's varying degrees of success, uh, within the, the, the bunch. And something that I thought was cool that, uh, we added was, uh, will post um he he gives a different perspective on tournaments and the game in general i guess from from a perspective that isn't a player so that's also pretty interesting uh i currently have asked that my articles all go up for no no cost uh because i want people to learn about the decks I'm talking about before I eventually switch to to premium two. Um, so far, the articles that I've planned on doing have all been on single prize decks, which are pretty uncommon. Um, I think there are things worth trying out, but I, I'm basically doing them as installments. So the last one was the first installment Sunday is the second, and I want to do it like a monthly thing. Um, and if that's something that people end up being being interested in, um, it's something you'll be able to follow um, for as long as I continue to do them, which will probably be for quite a bit. I really enjoy the format, at the very least, of how Team Rocket's Hideout is just doing it different. The option to support just a... Uh a certain deck that you want to play or the option to support an archetype or uh, even a writer. Uh, very cool. Uh, just wanted to say that. So uh, moving on. Uh, so we know how all your testing has been and what you've been doing with it. Uh, so let's, let's get into the meta for Atlantic city <coughs> next what? weekend. Um, what uh, what decks are we looking at? And I mean, we pro we talked about a good amount of them already. 
Um, but I want to break it down a little bit. What are we going to see the most of? What are we likely not to see at all? What's something that <coughs> hasn't been testing well but's going to show up and vice versa? What is what is going on? Um, I will preface all of this by saying that um, I don't expect anything undiscovered to turn up. Uh, the format is basically the same as DC, which means that um, all of the best best players have basically discovered everything, um, aside from the inclusion of Charizard and Mew Mew Hidden Fates was overall a non-factor. Um, there's nothing in it. Jesse and James potentially, but even that um, in Sheffield, I think. Uh, I don't think there was any deck in day two playing it, even a copy of it, unless Alessandro was playing it in Sh- Shedinja, which he might have been, but I don't know for certain, but possibly. Uh, I think um, as far as the most played deck, um, I think there's no doubt it's Charizard abilities. Um, the The deck is very oppressive. It's very good. Um, it's relatively easy to play. Um, it's got popular Pokemon in it. It has search options. It's consistent. It checks all the boxes. Um, I think it's very good. Um, As for being the best deck, I also think it's the best deck. Um, That said, like what we talked about, uh, is your goal to get points or is your goal to get first? Um, I don't think it's going to be the deck that gets first, but I think it will be the most common deck in day two. Um, just because of all of the things I already talked about. Yeah, I'm I'm going to give you the big old agree on that one. I think it's the best deck. I think it won't just be the most, like, the most showed up deck in day two. <coughs> the most overall played deck at the entire tournament. Um, it's very good. And I think it has the best, like, League Cup results so far in the last few weeks by like a lot um and yep. it definitely shreds through its worst match or its best matchups rather where yes. you have almost no chance if you have a bad matchup against abilities Zard, you're probably definitely not winning like you can win bad matchups but not against Zard, i don't think yeah, I mean, at at that point, you're basically hoping for good luck with Tom. Um, you could be a <laughs> Guardian that hits uh, Pika in top eight, top four, and finals. Did he hit it every game? Not going to pretend like I played Pika every game. That. Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Guardian played Pika top eight, top four, and finals. So, I mean... If that happens, like, that's pretty cool. But the odds of that are, of course, pretty low. Um, especially with the deck that you expect to be so popular. Um, I wouldn't count on that. Um, the the deck I expect to be probably the second most common uh, is actually Pika. Um, 
I think it's a lot of it's a lot of people's comfort pick. Um, the deck is also relatively easy to play. There's not a lot of outplaying people with Picaram. Uh, you basically hope you draw better than them, and I mean that's how you Picaram. So I, I I do think that'll be the second most common deck. Um, I think will be slightly less successful than Charizard at large. Um, but that's I, because there's less of Yeah, I think Picaram's like the comfort pick for a lot of people too. Yep. It's, uh, it's, it's everyone, everyone kind of has their like, hey, I know what I'm playing because this is the deck I know the best. Mm -hmm. I think Picaram is that for most people. Um, the deck I expect to be third most popular is unfortunately a comfort pick also, and it's Malamar, Tina Tags. Um, the list that I was playing is coming out in the article on Sunday also, and again, that article doesn't cost anything, so go take a peek. <laughs> <coughs> um, shameless. Uh, I think the deck is very okay. Uh, my biggest problem with playing it, though, is that I do not think it is good in best of three. I think you're going to tie a lot, potentially. Uh, so Stefan <clears throat> played it in Sheffield, and he snuck into day two at 5.04, uh, and he said he might have been able to do better if he had played faster. And having played against Stefan twice, Stefan plays very fast, uh, he's very calculated in how he thinks. He he plays uh, at a pace somewhere um, between like Azul and Danny. So right in there, not like feverishly fast, but not I mean not pokey at all. And uh, he was saying that he wished he had played faster. So unless you have a lot of games in with the deck and you won't have to think about anything, uh, don't even bother. Because uh, you are going to tie yourself out of day two, um, which uh, leads me to say also, don't tie. Because once you start tying, you are going to play against Malamar over and over and over and over again. Uh, Malamar will occupy the tie bracket. Um more than any other deck just by the n n nature of the deck i will definitely not be playing it malamar is not on the but i think it's very good list very okay so i am i'm pretty much in the same boat as you on malamar uh don't play malamar <laughs> it just seems like the best option for everyone right it's a comfort pick um it's it's just it's not very good. That's all. <laughs> so I think the you at the beginning of the section talked a lot about Blissephalon, so I think we can kind of skip over that. I think we already yeah. know how powerful, how straightforward, how consistent it is. Uh, Mew and Mewtwo GX is not something we talked a one. lot about. Uh, how yep. are you feeling on Perfection? Uh, Perfection is super good, and I think it's... I think um, I would explain its lack of pop 
popularity in cups to most cups not being best of three. Uh, and I think the deck is generally best in best of three. Um, I think it's a very good pick. It's currently in my top few picks. Also, um, the new Zard from um, Hidden Fates is extremely good. Um, it gives you a two-attack path to victory against a lot of decks. Um being able to turn two, 300, and then turn three, 300 with Meg Cargo is extremely good. It definitely should be uh, a deck that you know how to play against and that you understand how it functions and everything. Um, it's extremely good. Perfect. So I know you also said that you don't think anything uh, new is going to come out, but what about, what about Rogue? Are we feeling any... Any sort of rogue decks or anything? Else, uh, I know you mentioned Spirit Tomb Frostless uh, is kind of your pet deck currently. So I guess what what kind of rogue stuff and or what kind of single prize decks are we looking at? Because obviously tag teams are dominating the format right now. Uh, yeah. Anything that you can see with the potential to upset them? Um, I do enjoy Spirit Tomb a lot. Um, and if, if Espeon, uh, tag team wasn't so common, uh, it would definitely be higher up on my picks. Um, I think if you factor that card out completely, Spiritum Frostlass is easily, um, probably my top pick, but the fact that Malamar plays it typically, um, Malamar also being a 4060 for you. Um, Mew Mew Tag Team plays it, and they're able to f- f- full effect the GX attack on turn two. That's kind of scary. Um, that's the only thing that's keeping me out of being all in on Team Spirit Tomb. Um, Neg Quag also. Um, Hunter Butler kind of turned me back onto it. Earlier today, I tested the deck a bit, and I thought it was eh. Um, but he swears by it a lot, so I'm going to give it a try again over the next several days and see if my attitude changes towards it. So we'll see about that. I would say that's rogue-ish. There was, I think there was a, a couple of them, um, possibly in top eight. At Sheffield or somewhere, it's like the deck is like fairly established, but I would say it's I would say it's like a tier two deck. Um, I say that without having tested it, but I uh, I don't know. I I feel like it's got some of the same problems that Malamar's got, um, just by cons consistency things but being able to play Keldeo is very good a lot of decks don't have good answers to that um so there's there's definitely things about it that are good and i think it's worth experimenting with it was melbourne it got top eight BSP, melbourne. Okay. BSP, melbourne yeah yeah okay uh, yeah um, that's those those are, are are basically the the two that i have left 
to figure out. Uh, the last, I guess, this is not necessarily the last deck we'll talk about because we'll get into our top five real shortly. Um, mm. But another deck I wanted to talk about and wonder if it has any merit in your eyes, something I thought was really cool. Uh, but I think the original, at least the first list I saw, was posted by Zach Lesage on Twitter. It was this Zardless Welder list that played Baby Blacephalon and Volcanion <coughs> and Heatran and like Baby Turtonator, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, what do we think about that list? I was pretty interested when I saw it because uh, it's pretty different than anything we currently have outside the fact that it plays four welders like everything else. <laughs> so um, after Tord's list was out, I started to experiment with Baby Blacephalon again, which um, when it came out, a lot of people were like, like oh, this card's crazy good um, and all that. And uh, it kind of didn't do a lot uh, until some Denver people figured it out. And um, it got a top 32 in Santa Clara. And then I changed a couple cards in the list for Madison and then played it there. And I lost back-to-back win-ins for top eight, which felt bad. Um, but I... I was actually playing with that. So I went back to uh, Blacephalon, Turtonator, Salazzle, um, Ninetales. Uh, I was playing all of those Pokemon because you have to to make your Pokecoms good. Um, Salazzle um, allows you to not play things like Dene. Um, it also allows you to draw a lot of cards, which is always good. Um, Lacephalon's able to blow things up. I was playing a couple beast rings so that you could chain them without having to do two supporter to them for turn. Um, I think I think that deck is okay. I definitely wouldn't say it's better than or as good as the tag team version of the same deck. Uh, Zach, Zach, like top eight at a cup or something like that is that true i'm not certain as to... i saw, saw the tweet but um it was something like that um and like that's cool and all but like that's not impressive enough to convince me that it's worth playing over something else that's very established with a top four at dc and several top 32s or better um, in Sheffield. Yeah, I think I think I agree. I just, I thought it was really interesting and I imagine that there will be at least a few people playing it. Uh, come, <laughs> let's see. Yeah, he got second at a cup in Ontario. Okay. So... I imagine there will be at least a few people in Atlantic City playing this. I don't doubt it. I mean, I also expect that tournament to be pretty big. Um, so I, I don't doubt it at all. Um, but again, I, I don't think it's as good as the more established deck. I will talk about how 
I am very surprised Guardian got first. I think that guy had a good day with Tom. Um, I know he played um, only a couple Zards, and he was something like like 0-2-2 or something, um, which the ties, I don't know if they were like just IDs or what, but um, even a tie is kind of a stretch. You have to have a lot of things go pretty positively for you to be able to tie that. The matchup is pretty bad. I would say as far as all the matchups currently, meta decks, um, that one is probably the poorest next to like Blacephalon versus Neg Quag. That's pretty bad too. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not, I am going to be surprised if there's a Guardian in top 32. There might be a Guardian that sneaks into day two, but I, I don't expect it to be successful. I think that's the first time we disagree. I like I like Guardian overall. I, I I'm not saying that it's great or it's even necessarily in like my top picks. Uh, but I I personally think I kind of find it hard to believe that none of them will do good. But uh, with that being said, let's move into the weekly top five. Uh, and this week, you guys, it's gonna play right into all of our Atlantic City talk. Uh, this is just going to be our top five picks for the upcoming regional. Uh, uh, Cody, I will let you start it off. We'll count down five to one. What's your number five? Um, I'm going to say as far as is, is decks I'm thinking about playing personally, um, I'm going to say Reshi Ability. I would keep that in my top five, even though I'm pretty confident I won't be playing it. Uh... Pika, I'm more likely to play, but again, I'm not super likely to play that either. Um, neg Quag, because you neg before you Quag, um, I think has matchups that are generally good if you can set everything up. So I want to experiment with that some. Um, otherwise, we're going all in on Spear Tomb and uh, hoping that pans out. But my top pick, if I had to pick a deck today would be Blacephalon. Can't say I'm surprised by that one. Uh, nope. It's gotten you <laughs> some pretty high finishes. It's the five cups you've gotten finishes at. 202 points so far. Yeah, with 202 points. Which is, but that's almost halfway to an invite. That's Almost half an invite. Yeah. And I'm on. Yeah. And, yeah. So. <laughs> uh, so, my number, or my top five, uh, Quagnag at number five because Quagsire is cooler than Naganato. Uh, number four is Blacephalon GX. Uh, number three, this is where I put that uh, Zardless Welder deck. Okay. I like it. I think this is where I think this is going to be the somewhat surprise deck of the tournament, quote unquote, the one that we haven't seen a lot of finishes from. Uh, number two, I got Mew and Mewtwo at GX. Uh, oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That should be in my top <laughs> five also. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got, it's, it, it won Worlds. It really has everything going for it, especially with the Hidden Fates Zard that just came out. Uh, and with that, 
number one is ability bless his hard. It's just, it's it's it's, it's too good. Yes, it is. So, uh, all right, you guys, uh, we're running a little short on time. We're gonna skip the DDG mailbag because there weren't any new Twitter questions, anyways. Uh, so if y'all want your questions answered, head on over to Twitter. Use that hashtag DDG mail. We'll get your questions in. Uh, so moving on then, uh, I'll ask one more question about Atlantic city, Cody, if you got to pick one person, that's not yourself to win Atlantic city, who is it? And what are they playing? Well, actually, I already know who's going to win. Uh, and that person is Carl Barone. (laughs) Um, Carl and I, Carl and I will be playing the same 60 cards. It's going to be 59 cards of the list that I I have together when he picks me up that day, um, <clears throat> and he is going to suggest a change that will be be critical. Not only critical, but I would say paramount in his success that day. So Carl Barone, 2-0 over myself in finals. He has been hot to square up the standing since I demolished him at NAIC in 2018. <laughs> so, uh, Carl, 2-0 over me in a 60-card mirror playing Spirit Tomb in the finals. <laughs> over, under, uh, 100 to none. Well, I, I can't imagine that anybody doesn't want to see that, so... Uh, I'm gonna well, hope, I'm gonna hope for the same thing, but I'm a homer, obviously. Uh, Daniel Altaville is winning Atlantic City, ah! so yeah, you might. Be. <laughs> All right, <laughs> well, let's move on. Uh, the last thing for this podcast this week in Pokemon history, a pretty good week for Pokemon history. Uh, September 18th, a pretty big day. Uh, we'll start out. 2010 pokemon black and white the video game the start of gen 5 released in japan 2010 and on the same day in 2006 pokemon mystery dungeon red rescue team released for the game boy advance and blue rescue team released for the nintendo ds on today september the 19th in 2006 lucario in the mystery of mew the pokemon movie released uh, moving forward a couple days, September twenty first, two thousand one, the TC Jet, jeez, the TCG set Neo Revelation releases in North America. That was a fun set. Uh, and then September twenty second, two years ago in two thousand seventeen, Pokemon Tournament DX released for the Wii U and was later released on the Nintendo Switch. On uh, the same day in 2011, the Pokemon TV anime series season 15, Rival Destinies, released. And then one day after that, in 2010, the Black and White series for Pokemon anime, which was season 14, released. And that's it. That's this week in Pokemon history. Nice. Look at all that fun Pokemon stuff. Uh, all right. But that is the end of the episode. Cody, I will let you go ahead. Give all your shameless plugs that you've already done. Uh, give give them again. Where can we find you on Twitter? Where can we find your articles? Uh, whatever else. Whatever else you uh, got for me. My name is Cody. You can find me on Facebook at Cod McGraw. Uh, Twitter at Cod 
Grob, PTCG. Um, I'll be at AC for sure. Um, check out my articles on Team Rocket's hideout. Um, and shout out to TSF uh, for being a super duper bunch of people. All right, well, Cody, I want to say thank you again for joining me. Uh, but you guys, uh, I hope that this episode has helped turn up your testing. I hope it helps you get prepared for Atlantic City in a week. We will be back next week. Uh, regular time on Wednesday, 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. For all of you that like to watch us live on Twitch instead of uh, today, which was Thursday. Uh, but that is all we have for you this week. So, you guys, if you enjoyed episode number 148 of Denver Gaming, a PCG podcast, make sure to hit the like button down below, share this podcast to all of your friends. One more big thank you to Cody Graham for joining us this week. That is all we have for you. So, for Cody, I am Dan, and we will.